0: Welcome back, everyone, to the 1% in Health. Today, we have Mark Seneca. He is a childhood friend of my family. Um, I'm very excited to have him on today. He is a renowned uh, lawyer in the U.S., top 500 in the U.S. He's a devout family man. Um, as as I, I'm super excited to first talk about how we met. Um, but before we start, uh, I'd like to remind everybody that there are trigger, trigger conversations, triggers in these conversations, and we are not professionals to seek professional help, um, uh, for conditions that we discuss. So with that, welcome, Mark, thank you for joining.
1: Welcome.
0: Yep. Welcome.
2: Thank you all. Pleased to be here.
0: So 1981, uh, my mom drives four little cowboys from central Utah to rest Virginia. And, uh, we, uh, Go into the church building, and there's this awesome family, the Senecas. They adopt us. It's really cool because we're little cowboys, and uh, they're Native Americans, the Senecas. <laughs> and so we had the cowboys and Indians back in the days. And Mark, are you a are you a Redskin fan? <laughs>
2: oh yeah, back when they were winning Super Bowls. Yeah, <laughs> and the Commanders
0: back in the Commanders. So I'm totally being not politically correct with all my conversation now, but. It's now the commanders, but you were a commander fan, right? For sure. And we were Cowboys fans. Anyway, so they would invite us to Christmas dinners. They took care of us. They taught us. Mark was a little bit older than myself and older than my than just my older brother. But Mark was. Did you did you play football too, or just basketball? I I, w- I played
2: football up until my sophomore year when I okay. decided that basketball was my best chance at college sports and yeah. Started doing
0: that year round. Yeah, and and Mark crushed it. One of the top basketball players in, in the uh, '80s uh, for South Lakes High School. Played on an awesome team. Um, we looked up to him for athletics. He was. He, he, they had their family is very well educated. We'll get into that in a little bit. But we had a lot of fun at Christmas. Time, Christmas times, they fed us the nice dinners. Always had presents. Um, they adopted us, like I said, and it was it was amazing growing up next door. In the same neighborhood as the Senecas. so let's talk about that a little bit, Mark, with your your family, um, your upbringing. Um, if you don't mind, kind of talk about your your parents and siblings and rest of Virginia a little bit, and kind of let's get into that.
2: Yeah, um, I, I think a big part of my story is is the story of my father and and my mother. Um, my father is a full-blood Seneca. Was ra- born and raised on the, the Seneca reservation, the reservation, the Seneca Nation of Indians in western New York. Um, he was, you know, uh, from a poor family. had two sisters, had a mom who was very strong and a, f- a father who also was uh, very strong and accomplished in terms of uh, that that period of time. But they were, you know, they were on the uh, reservation and and had limited economic opportunities in that situation and he had a lot of siblings and 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 extended family that really never found their way off the reservation for for whatever reason my grandmother and and the people around him you know planted in his mind something much bigger than that and i think he pursued Mm -hmm. life without even realizing he really didn't have any any standing to dream and think as big as he did uh, I tell a lot of people when I talk about my dad that, um, you know, he, he may be uh, one of those circumstances where his siblings do not out outachieve the, the former generation. Uh, mm. uh, my dad, uh, like I said, he uh, got off the reservation primarily through athletics. He was a state champion wrestler, uh, went to BYU and, and both wrestled and played football. Um, the The nexus with the LDS church was, uh, there was a small branch that was established on the outskirts of the reservation when my dad was about eight or nine years old. And my grandmother liked the clean cut nature, liked the fact that it created some structure uh, and ultimately uh, moved her family uh, down the path of, of joining the church and, and structure in their lives. Um, and I, you know, BYU and the affiliation with the, with the church and, and my dad's athletic allowed him to get off the reservation and pursue, you know, pursue college. Uh, that's where he uh, met my mom, who has a longer uh, history and European ancestry and, uh, um, uh, you know, kind of an LDS uh, uh, genealogy. Uh, and they ultimately got married and started having kids. So I'm the second oldest in my family. By the time I was two or three years old, my dad was off to Harvard to go to law school, and uh-huh. would take us to uh, Cambridge and Harvard Garden and let us uh, chase the. Uh, most people took their dogs, but my dad took us as his kids <laughs> to chase the squirrels in the park. Uh, he <laughs> he went on to be a White House Fellow, a very exclusive uh, um, a program established by uh, you know the the, the presidential. Um, uh, network in in washington dc applied and spent a year as a white house fellow and then that led to taking a uh, a job in government and ultimately spent a successful career in various government agencies department of energy bureau of indian affairs and started uh, his own um, private practice representing native american tribes around the con the the country primarily in sovereignty and other native issues Um, and he has since come full circle and retired back to the reservation where uh, he's, he's enjoying, uh, what he calls the autumn years of his life, uh, will be 81 this year and, uh, still, still swings a, a golf club fairly awesome. well.
0: And I was able to so go that- up. Yeah. I was able to go up to the reservation one year where Tom, your brother shot me with a BB gun. actually <laughs> So he, it was a little bit payback. So I was, it was awesome to go up. Did, what? Did, did I, do I have this wrong that he was one of the first to get a Harvard law degree from, from this from that area, being Native American, did do I have that right, or?
2: Well, I think I think he's among a handful um, of Native Americans to be educated at Harvard. You know, nationwide.
0: Yeah,
3: right.
2: Um, but, but again, it's 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 a, a, a you know a level of accomplishment from where he started and where he thought mm-hmm. he could go and what he actually accomplished. Uh, is amazing. And and the way that it benefited myself and my siblings is, um, you know, he created a standard of excellence and demanded a standard from us that allowed all of us to, um, you know, be uh, proactive in trying to achieve as we grew up in our formative years and trying to accomplish things as as we went through life.
0: Let's talk a little bit that, about that. Um, were you always smart? Your school always come easy to you. Did...
2: I I would say I was probably above average smart. I, yeah. I wouldn't say I was, you know kind of was off the charts, valedictorian type of stuff. You know I probably got by with a three or three point six something like that. Yeah. I, I tested well, so I was in terms of standardized testings and being able to get into to schools and colleges and things yeah. of that nature.
0: And how about sports? Let's talk about basketball a little bit. Talk about who you played with and some of that because that's exciting.
2: Yeah, I mean, if
0: if if if
2: I think about having any trauma in my life, it was getting injured just before my senior season, mm. and having you know kind of a big part of my self identity taken away at mm. at the prime. But uh, I grew up uh, uh, playing street ball in uh, you know just <clears throat> up the court, um, a court that is too small for a five on five, but we play five on five with. Uh, a number of folks that played pro basketball and certainly high level college basketball, including you know Michael Jackson from uh, South Lakes High School that was among the the Georgetown Hoyas when they were winning champions, uh, Grant Hill, a few years younger than than me but um, was in that mix and uh, a lot of others. Um, and I had the opportunity not only in high school but in AAU sports to, uh, play with and against a lot of folks that that uh, you know were more athletic than me, but at the time I was able to hold my own and play against uh, top quality talent that went on to you know uh, impressive college careers and pro care- careers. Yeah. So that was, right. I would say, I was a better basketball skills than I was an athlete, and I stopped growing at about six two, and I needed about six eight to be <laughs> to translate my. <laughs> I, game I was
0: thinking you you play. Level. I've always looked up to you. Maybe I, I thought you were a six four, six five. Just to, just a the well, if I,
2: I, my, my, my long arms make me play like that.
0: Okay.
3: And see, Mark, I'm from the reservation, so, I mean, Native Americans in basketball, it's not a game; it's a religion. Everything yep. stops <laughs> when it comes to basketball. I mean, I know people that will sell their furniture to go to a tournament. Natives don't go on vacation; they go to basketball tournaments. Yeah, no, they I, love it. I,
2: I, yeah, I didn't love it. I didn't get completely immersed in that but i did have opportunities through the years to cross paths and play a few games in in those native type of types of leagues as well as crossing paths when i was still uh, playing in graduate school with uh some natives that um were, were part of that in, in, in including if you guys are into golf at all nota begay uh yep, who was on who the, the golf team with tiger woods at the same yep. time that i was in grad school and was an avid basketball player in, to, in, in addition to his golf skills. So he, he wouldn't remember it. But I remember playing basketball with, with Noda in in kind of pickup games at, at Stanford. That's
0: awesome. So,
3: so I have that, a question. Why did yeah. your dad go to Harvard and maybe not like Dartmouth or someplace, which was kind of designed for East Coast Native Americans? Was it just uh, a, a better college or? I, I you know, I, I think I've, I, I don't know what,
2: what. Actually led him to that, and whether he cast the net more broadly. I think that, um, I think that uh, you know Harvard has always had a reputation. There's certainly others, oh, and those changes. But his reputation, is the preeminent you know institution. And you know, if he had an opportunity, funny story. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I got lucky in terms of um, run having run out of money and run out of time when I was applying to grad schools. And I had a mm-hmm. list of, of, of top tier schools, and I never got to the sure bets. And so I applied to Harvard, and I applied to Stanford, and I applied to uh, University of Chicago. And some of those were applying to both the business school and the law school. Um, and, and I got into, uh, I got into Harvard Law School. And my dad was so proud and and thought that was the end all be all and it was a done deal and how could you even consider going anywhere else?
0: Yeah, right. and I
2: was holding out for Stanford and a few others just because my perception was it was less cutthroat, it was California, it would be a more fun experience, better golf course, better weather. <laughs> um, and ultimately, I, I I got into both schools at Stanford and that's what I where I went. And all he could do was really scratch his head and and
0: uh, you know shake his head in disgust. And so. So the first part of this podcast, we usually talk about community and family upbringing. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the schooling a little bit more. You got, and then we'll get into the career and all the amazing things you've done there. Just incredible. I'm so excited to be doing this podcast with you. And then we'll talk about some health conditions after that. Um, The schooling, you did attend BYU as well. Is that right? Yeah, i went i went to byu
2: and uh graduated with a degree in in finance
0: okay and then you went to stanford
2: i after- took a job uh at ibm in connecticut okay. I, I got married uh shortly after i graduated uh, or before i graduated from from undergrad i took a job with ibm that was uh more of a fellowship internship and was applying to grad schools during you know that kind of eight month period from December to and this
0: is when you ran out of money.
2: Oh it, it, well, ran out of money in terms of, of you know applying. every application cost a hundred bucks, or <laughs> bucks or whatever, and, and time and procrastination and you know I never got around to submitting you know the school that I thought was a sure bet so I just rolled the dice and shot high and uh, was very fortunate.
0: And you were married at this time when you yeah. were applying. Okay, awesome. Um, and you get into Har- you get into Harvard and to Yale. Or no, sorry, Stanford. Um, you get both a law degree and an MBA at Stanford. Do I have? That yeah, right?
2: uh, a lot of the a lot of the schools have joint programs. Okay. Uh, law law school is typically three years. Uh, business school on its own is two. You can combine the two and and get both degrees in uh, four years versus five. And
0: that's, and that's what you
2: that's did.
0: That's what I get at Stanford. That's awesome. Was it easy? Was it hard did you uh, what was what was being married and the whole, you know going to school and how was that?
2: Yeah it was it was a challenge. Um, uh, you know I think a little bit a little bit for me was I would characterize myself and my accomplishments and kind of my psyche as being on the one hand uh, extremely confident and on the other hand having an equal or greater degree of self-doubt. And, you know, I, I, sort of, I sort of viewed getting into Stanford, which, you know, has very low statistics as, um, as uh, you know, the accomplishment and, you know, kind of felt like, did I belong? How much of it was a function of, you know, diversity in my Native American background as opposed to, you know, my inherent capabilities? And, you know, through the process, um, you know, some of the self-doubt crept in and, Um, I I did fine. I wouldn't say that, you know, I was in a group of uh, probably 10 joint degree candidates. Mm. One of them uh, is uh, uh, the uh, chief judge in the D.C. appellate courts and Mm. was on the short list a few years ago to be nominated to the Supreme Court. So the the caliber of colleagues that I... um, I interacted with, and you know that's it's the same story um, for those folks. And 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 I've I've always felt like um, a little bit, you know, am I in that league? And and you know, where do I go with my career? Uh, if you hear me talk about how I became a lawyer, you would learn that it is a sequence of next logical steps as opposed to a burning desire to be a lawyer from the outset. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I've been practicing now. This is my twenty-eighth year. Um, I couldn't tell you that i really you know i was an apologetic lawyer up until about five years ago
0: Mm. um you talked a little bit about confidence and how much is how much is confidence grinding uh, abilities you know like in in your in, in your opinion did you what did you have five hours of homework did you have to grind it out did it come easy like how hard was that I, I would I would say
2: that um, you know I think that I think the the start of manifestation of some combination of anxiety and depression that I never had a label for, and my my parents even more so didn't label. If I look back at some of the struggles, even in the high school days, it was starting to manifest. I think generally, um, when I say I haven't lived a traumatic life, I've I've experienced a lot of success along the way and. And you know, um, uh, you know, didn't have um, a level of struggle in trying to, you know, achieve success uh, athletically or musically or um, or in academics, um, those types of things. Um, you know, so it it wasn't that type of challenge. It was more. Um, the depression and the anxious mind and the and the the self doubt really becoming debilitating at certain stages of my life.
0: Right and I'm so glad you brought that up because I was thinking when do we get into it and I wanted to get into your career maybe before this but since you brought it up <laughs> and I'm glad you did because you mentioned high school you mentioned college you mentioned getting married young you mentioned getting into the top colleges in the nation universities in the nation And, uh, with anxiety and depression and, uh, you know, as I suffer with bipolar, I've had bouts of depression. Mine's more on the manic side, but, um, we talked a little bit about this, but I'm kind of floored, uh, when I'm in a depressive state, I I can't find enough energy to get out of bed and grind and, and do things, especially at the level you were doing it at. So, um, Let's let's dive into that a little bit, and then we'll 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 get into the career uh, later. Um, when you say anxious mind, um, is there at all any attention deficit disorder? Anything going on like that, or is it just a- purely anxiety and and uh, a lower level of energy? Depression. If you mind describing what that means.
2: Yeah, to me, I it wasn't until you know a few years into my professional career. And being in a profession that is a bit of a pressure cooker, mm-hmm. uh, not only in terms of, um, you know, client demands, demands to progress, you know, kind of a 24 seven mentality, uh, you know, based on, you know, churning out hours and and getting things right in terms of the stakes that are, are, are so it's, it's a difficult profession. And I've always wondered whether the job was making me sick or, uh, independently, um, the my nature regardless of what profession i um, pursued would mm-hmm. would manifest in the same way um I, I started to finally put the label anxiety to part of the 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 ailment so to speak uh, even though it took me a while to get my head around that term because i never thought myself as you know a particularly nervous person or mm-hmm. fearful person in fact i was valued by my colleagues professionally for my stoicism, for my calmness under pressure, to be able to navigate in chaos. Um, But what I realized is that for me, the anxious mind was anticipating something that was uh, either uncertain or painful to the point that your mind never has a chance to turn off and give your body and your mind a chance to to rehabilitate. And Mm -hmm. so over a period of time, the anxious mind Leads into depression because it keeps you in a constant state of energy deficiency. That that then there's something that that trips you over the edge and you go from enduring life and being nearly 100% functional, even though it feels like a painful existence, but but functional mm-hmm. um, to not being able to function at all. Um, I, I would describe my willpower as pretty strong in a 28. 28- in a 28 uh, year career, I've only called time out twice and taken two leads. Well, that's one that's one was about a three month period of time. Um, And then more recently, and it's now been seven, eight years ago in 2014. I hit a point where I said, I don't I don't want to live this way anymore. Mm. Um, And, and and so I've got to take whatever time it takes for me to figure out how to solve this problem and get past it because um, what 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 in my mind even without trauma what the anxious mind and depression does to you is it deprives you of any sense of contentment it's a state of mind even if you're functioning even if you're not homeless and you're not relying on drugs or addiction you are enduring life and robbing yourself of what i think the point of life is is for us to derive contentment in the in the journey. And, and simply enduring life and asking yourself every once in a while, what, you know, remind me again, what is the point of all of this? Yeah. Make some money and put it in the bank and go into the next day and keep doing it until you die. Um, you know, I, I always think I've never, I've never been suicidal, but many times I've thought, you know, if, if I stepped off the curb and a, bu- a bus hit me, I, I'd kind of be okay with that. Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's the state of mind where um, something is wrong because without, you know, in the absence of trauma, in the absence of real hardship, um, uh, you know, in, in a situation like mine, where I've had plenty of, 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 of personal success to fall back on, I've got, uh, you know, a supportive family, I've got a supportive wife. And yet, this, uh, the, the, the mind was destroying me, it was, yeah. it was taking all of the fun out of life, it was taking contentment. And there were periods of time, even before I would call it it quits, and I heard uh, Nash referred to this on on one of your podcasts that I had a chance to listen to, is that you're in survival mode. There are periods of time where, you know, I couldn't drop the ball, I couldn't extricate myself, but I was in survival mode to the point where I couldn't figure out how to feed myself for lunch. You know, that that level of, all I could do was the the basics to keep the balls in the air, and my wife would drive and bring me, you know, bring me... uh, bring me lunch. Yeah. You know, just to get through yeah. the work day. It's okay. Yeah. You know, and, and so in the in the in the depressed mind, um and the anxious mind that is the precursor to that, in the throes of it, you can't see your way clear of it. And that's why yeah. people get to the point of saying, I'm, you know, the only relief from the pain is for me to end my life. Um yeah and it, I mean, it's a, it, it's a real ailment that it is hard for the sufferer to understand, let alone people that are around them that haven't experienced it.
0: yeah Mark, you need your own podcast every week um i have I've been um I've been using chat G, uh, Gpt and copy AI uh, for the last few weeks uh, finished my book with it. I've been writing about bipolar and I feel like I just asked you a question and you were, you distilled the information as AI does. (laughs) What is depression? Ask Mark and you get back the perfect answer. Like you just, what you just described in in such a short period of time with a vast, you know, uh, with 20, 30 years, 40 years of dealing with it and to distill it. Um, I know your 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 brain distills tons of information and has to get it written down and you're 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 very well versed at that but that was impressive and I'm I'm glad you shared, shared your emotions I didn't know how much you would open up about this um, you're in a high level position uh, you've conquered so much in life and for you to be vulnerable and open about this is what this show is about it's truly inspiring yeah. um, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a light to many um, and a lot of a lot of people in at your level, you know, Silicon Valley, top five hundred lawyer in the in the U.S. Uh, 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 you know, it, it's 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 inspiring. So. Just to Um,
1: piggyback on you, Sabe, when when Mark, when you were talking about anxiety and how it's kind of the inability to come back down off of an overwhelm, like your body gets overwhelmed and you just can't come back on that. I literally was studying that this week and it was like you were like a textbook, like word for word in a very great and applicable way that somebody who might not have that or somebody who has it and don't know that they're going through that can understand. So I really appreciated that. Like, I'm so excited to share this. Yeah.
2: And and the the way it translated in my world is, you know, the, the way anxiety um, affected me was almost like going to my job requires me to touch the hot stove and burn myself Mm -hmm. every time. And I didn't want to burn myself again, but I had to. And so I just kept turning on. And what I mean by that is the disconnect in my mind was the the physical sensation and perception of energy perceived or energy available relative to a much larger amount of energy required to just get through the day, the, yeah. the task at hand. Yeah. And when you have that it's almost like a a fear, a mindset where you're anticipating uh, this mismatch of energy required and energy available, and having to do that day after day. And, you know, different people have different breaking points. I was able to be nearly 100% functional. Most of the time, I never dropped the ball and and did something that caused a problem. I never left responsibilities in the lurch. You know, I, I, I just suffered quietly in robbing myself of any sense of contentment. Um, um,
0: What kind of hours? What kind of hours were you putting in doing this?
2: Oh, you know, it's it's day after day in certain periods of time. It's it's 10, 15, 18 hours and um, time pressure of different deals. And you can do that one deal at a time and, and it's over. But the whole job is to do as many of those you can as you can over and over. So you get through one and Even though that's my job and what I'm good at and what I'm supposed to be seeking out, I think to myself, boy, that was painful. I never want to do that again. And then you get up the next day and you start the next handful of deals and you're doing it, you know, time after time. And the mind, the anxiousness is almost like expending 2x or 3x the energy because you're anticipating and playing it out and you're never able to shut down to really get quality sleep and to Mm. regenerate and you just keep going and going. And at some point, it turns into full blown depression. And you're like, how do I extricate myself from this? And did you
0: did you see doctors therapists at this time? Are you just white knuckling am- it or what?
2: No, I, I you know, um, fairly early in, you know, kind of realizing that that was an ailment. And, you know, um, as time goes on, and you learn about different family members, you see siblings, you see children. Uh, you look back into the genealogy of kind of extended family going, uh, you know, in my parents' generation, there is a decent amount of genetics
0: mm-hmm.
2: where different uh, mental illnesses have manifest themselves. And so I, I think that it wasn't until, you know, kind of, you know, early part of my career, I was probably, you know, in my late twenties that I started to put labels to this. And yeah, I, I mm-hmm. sought out, you know, psychiatrists and therapists and, okay. and, medications and was trying everything I could, acupuncture and anything that I thought could help. Um,
0: Aren't you guys amazed at how proactive he was? I mean, it's still, it, it blows my mind. Um, let's talk a little bit. Are you, can you drop some names? I know you, you don't, you're not a name <laughs> dropper, but are you, can you drop some names of the deals you were working on? I want to give, I want to give some context to those listening as you're describing um, this battle what you're in the middle of and who you're in the middle of it with. Are you, are you, able yeah, to- I,
2: you know, currently I'm the, I'm the co-head of our M&A practice, uh, private equity group at ORIC, which is an international firm that, that has, um, a major presence in Silicon Valley and elsewhere in the technology space. And I spent most of my career in that specialty doing deals, uh, in Silicon Valley with technology companies. Um, I had a chance uh, to meet Mark Zuckerberg before Facebook became what it was and actually represented Facebook when they were offered uh, to be acquired for a billion dollars by yahoo. Um, I, uh, I I re- represented Apple when they acquired Siri. Wow. I've uh, represented uh, Instagram in their sale to um, in their sale to facebook and i've I've sold you know many companies to the the Googles and alphabet uh, facebook's uh, salesforce. Um, uh, all of the serial acquirers uh, in the valley, I've had opportunities to represent uh, smart entrepreneurs and do deals that are exciting. Uh, Nest Labs' uh, uh, sale to uh, uh, to Alphabet was another uh, major deal that I um, uh, led, and and other companies in a lot of interesting, exciting spaces, like Cruise Automation, which is an autonomous vehicle company, wow. was purchased a few years by General Motors. So the The opportunities I've had in my career to be in the kind of the epicenter of technology and to be in the mix with uh, companies and clients and and high profile deals has been um, has been you know kind of fantastic. Uh, and notwithstanding that, uh, up until about five years ago, uh, I couldn't I couldn't tell you that I really liked my job.
0: Yeah, and did did it give you some energy to be working with? With these giants, and and did it? Did it? Because you were exerting the energy. Did you get something back just because who who you're working with, or it still didn't really matter?
2: Oh yeah, I you know over years the level of um, of ailment, you know ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say that every day was you know yeah. a miserable exercise in perseverance and endurance. You mm-hmm. know I I enjoyed. The energy I, you know, I enjoyed. Um, I enjoyed the challenge of, you know, being a lawyer and putting deals together is really like uh, putting together a puzzle that art, art is not a linear, and bringing uh, chaotic pieces mm-hmm. together to architect a deal and to manage all of the constituencies and and the like. It's it's explaining things to, um, to to folks in a way that they can understand. It's being able to write. It's being able to win the confidence of colleagues and and uh, impressive executives. And when I think about all of the things that the job entails, when I'm not um, uh, suffering from a distorted mindset, I was finally able to to realize, you know what? Um, I didn't really, I just kind of fell into this career and stayed on this path and have done well despite uh, everything. Um, but if I look at it now, I, I can say that a lot of what it entails, I actually really enjoy.
0: Well, and... I- I would say falling into it, you you grinded into it, and you are you have a pedigree starting. you talked about your father and and uh, and it's 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 just it's amazing. the the trajectory, the the grind, the hustle, um the ability to get into these type of deals and deal, with, you know, would you say you absorb people's energy? I, I I'm thinking of you dealing in chaos with depression, anxiety. Did you ref- Did you deflect? Did you absorb? when you're around high level people doing high level things, what was your nature? Because you know there's there's the term right now that's thrown around a uh, highly sensitive person. I'm a highly sensitive person. Me being around drama or, or uh, high energy, um, I can do well with and sometimes I can't. It, it just totally how, how would you say you are with high level people, high level deals, do you absorb it all?
2: I, I would say that um, I do like to be in charge. I do like to you, you know, um, uh, be the person that is advising the board of directors and, and dealing with CEOs and, and running the show. Um, uh, I, I, I would say also that when the pressure falls and you're in between deals and there's a lot of things that, you know, when you're under the gun, you're wishing you had some free time to catch up on, I often find myself, I can't. I can't focus at all. I can't do those simple things because I've got so much time and it's not the adrenaline, you know, pressure cooker. So I think that I do somewhat thrive in a energy-filled environment. Mm -hmm. But I would also say that if I was to characterize myself, uh, even though I feel like I can stand up in front of a crowd and be very articulate and even, you know, if pressed, put on a little charm and and some wit and some humor and all of that, I'm an introvert. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I often joke, you know, I don't like people. I don't want to be around people. It yeah. takes more energy yeah. for me to do all of that. And, and things that, you know, um, that uh, I, I can still perform and do well on just exhaust me. Mm-hmm. And, and as I've read about, you know, introverts and, and kind of how our makeup is, um, uh, you know, it's not that you're incapable of one thing or another. It's just a, a question of, how much energy does it take in order to do certain things? And so it's kind of an odd mix of, you know, again the 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 uh, juxtaposition of confidence versus uh, fear and and um, and self doubt uh, versus um, you know, are you energized by by people and by energy yeah. versus uh, does that deplete you? And I, I I honestly think that I'm a an odd mix of both ends ends of those spectrums. Hmm.
0: Yeah. I was, I was just wondering how you are because you're very articulate and you can distill information incredibly. I mean, you've, you've cut this podcast significantly getting through emotion, getting through upbringing, getting through college, getting through career in a record time of 40 minutes. It takes us, it took us two or three episodes to do, th- do these. So again, you're showing off your skills as, as you've been trained. It's amazing. Um, it could, Clarissa, your your mic is out. There you go. It's still
3: out.
1: They're vacuuming. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so All I right. have mine on mute. I'm going to point out to our listeners real quick that what Mark has done is he has researched what he is experiencing, and he has applied what he has learned. And that's what makes a high performer is instead of just creating a limitation uh, with some sort of diagnosis or I have this and woe is me. It is, I'm going to research this. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to do all that I can. And I just want to point that out, Mark. I, I give you congrats on that. And that shows as you talk about this, that you are, uh, very well versed.
0: Yeah. it's amazing. I, I would say that,
2: um, Given my transparency in recent years of, of the struggles, I've had opportunities to be kind of a safe a safe haven for others that are kind of silent sufferers. I also have the opportunity to counsel my kids and my nieces and nephews. There's no shortage of folks in my uh, gene pool, namely my family that are suffering similar things. And what I try to use my experience is to short circuit uh, the time period in which they have to struggle before they find some sustainable solution. I I would say that uh, mental illness or mental ailments and and other uh, similar types of challenges, there is no panacea, there is no um, magic pill. And it takes an incredible amount of prioritization and perseverance to go through the trial and error uh, method to find out what combination of medications, what types of therapies, what types of skills can you adopt that allow you to truncate the time period when you start to dip into a dangerous place of, of smoothing out those highs and lows and have a greater percentage of your time be in a state of contentment for me contentment is not right. absence of difficulty and challenge to me contentment is you hear athletes talk about the process enjoy the process Contentment mm-hmm. in life is i am enjoying getting up and facing the challenges of the day Um, And I don't feel like I'm in a survival mode and an endurance mode where I just as soon be hit by a bus because I'm not feeling any joy. So to me, it's, you know, the pursuit of happiness or contentment or whatever you want to call it, well-being, to me, is being able to enjoy the process of life that when you accumulate all of the days and all the challenges and all the difficulties that come your way, you're growing and you're, you're engaged and you're um, you're you're um, uh, facing those challenges head on and becoming a better version of yourself every day. That that to me is the is the um, you know the holy grail in terms of what we're all trying to do in life. But what you have to do with real intentionality if you suffer from any of these types of ailments.
3: I, I have a question for you, Mark. So um, what what would you say? Is there a certain spiritual side, you being a native and a Seneca. So like when I was going through trauma and whatever, we, we go to sweat. So I practice the religion of the LDS religion, going to church, going to the temple, but nightly I go to sweat, you know, and that's just something I do with the, the men, you know, well, men and women go together, but it's, that's a whole different story, but we go there and just kind of, Well, my sister jokes about it. She goes, it's just you men emptying your gossip sacks, you know, and it's whatever it is. But, you know, it's it's our chance to get together and just, uh, I don't know, unwind. And, you know, it's very spiritual because we go in there and we pray and we pray for other people. But is there something that the Seneca people do or something that I don't know if you practice the religion or your family? Were they traditionalists, not traditionalists for people that, you know, have never been to a reservation? That's kind of a big question. Sorry.
2: Yeah, I think I think you know there there weren't any uh, specific rituals that you know that became a normal part of our upbringing. Uh, certainly, we we spent time on the reservation. Uh, all of us identified with uh, you know the Native American part of our heritage. I had opportunities to witness uh, the elders. Namely, my great-grandmothers on both sides. They lived uh, into their, on the one hand, uh, 106 years old, and wow. I witnessed uh, her speaking uh, the Seneca language with my grandmother, and um, you know, kind of had that that identity, and uh, had spent enough time, um, you know, with that part of the family and that part of the world to to really identify. I would say on the on the on the spiritual component, uh, I think you know, particularly in the um, in the Mormon faith and perhaps in, in other religions, I think a lot of people get caught up in guilt. And if I would just, you know, be, be more worthy, right. I wouldn't have all these problems. And the reason you're suffering is because of um, because of uh, you know, moral or behavioral or um, you know, deficiencies or, or being, you know, the center that we all are um, to me, that can be a component of someone's well-being. But the reality is that a lot of these elements are, are, uh, are physical as much emotional.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, And and, and that's why, you know, I'm, I'm of the view that um, within reason, you ought to try everything. There's people that are afraid of of pharmaceuticals, there's people that, you know, feel like they can, they can, uh, you know, just with willpower, figure things out. I'm of the view that not you know there's different components that work for different people i i got to the point in 2014 when i called time out on life and i went into uh outpatient for a while and i was doing things with people that i thought were very much more sick than me but i was going through you know i was going through the, the process of you know uh, art therapy or talk mm. therapy or you know and ultimately that culminated in i'm willing to do anything and mm-hmm. I went down the path of, of uh, ECT, electroconvulsive mm-hmm. therapy, a little bit wow. of a draconian and, and severe approach uh, on the theory that, you know, I don't want to live this way anymore. And if there's a way to, to reprogram my, my, my brain, let's go for it, you know, sign me up. I ended up uh, doing four or five um, uh, uh, treatments of that. Uh, and it's a very odd, you know, kind of... Um, uh, you know, uh, existence when you're doing that, and they cut me off uh, at one point in time when I, you know, I died for a little while on the table. They oh had to my gosh! Restart, restart my my heart, and my family still thinks that you know I'm brain damaged to this day, or at least my at least one of my siblings If if
0: if you're brain damaged, I've real, i my brain is gone.
2: But but my my point is, I was willing to do things that were you know objectively a little bit severe. Absolutely, in, in trying to mm-hmm. find a way to to be well and to be again, it's it's sort of part of what I had the, the the dissonance for me was, you know what? Relative to a lot of people that have really suffered in this world, you have a charmed life and a charmed existence. But I couldn't be happy. I couldn't. Mm. I couldn't be content. And there wasn't a. You know, there wasn't a divorce, there wasn't a bankruptcy, there wasn't you know, uh, a drug overdose or a homelessness or there wasn't those types of traumatic events that would be um, understandable as to how that can really bring someone mm-hmm. down into a state of depression. It was the chronic state of being exhausted all the time and, and having to pick myself up day after day and perform at a high level um, that you know, over time, one, it took the joy out of living. And in its worst case, it made me, um, it made me uh, unable to function.
3: Well, you're talking to the right group here. There we go, Yeah. We meet every other Tuesday for potluck. We all know that feeling. I do. You guys all do. You know, you are not alone. You know, I paint, you know, I finger paint for gosh sake. Let's be real about it. Come hang out with me, Mark. We'll be fine. Yeah. We'll enjoy it. So
1: Mark, what, you're amazing. what, You talked about like your last biggest breakdown or time that you needed to take off was in 2014. Since then, what have you done to keep your health or what have you changed or what have you found that has worked for you that um, you now incorporate maybe on a daily basis or on a weekly basis that you do to keep your health up?
2: I, I, you know, for me, the turning, I talk about, you know, five years ago, what happened five years ago that made you start to enjoy your job? Well, what happened is the anxious mind turned off mm-hmm. um, by and large. And, and how did that happen? Kind of dumb luck. Finally, after years and years of trying different things, I got to the right dosage of a medication. Mm-hmm. They're almost like a light switch. Finally allowed that anxious mind that was constantly churning and keeping me in a state of, of, of uh, depletion to turn off. Um, and it allowed me for much greater majority of the time to feel energized to feel, um, you know, free of, of, of the same level of chronic anxiety leading to depression. And it's not completely gone. There's periods of time when it, it revisits and I have a, you know, here we go again type of of moment. Um, but by and large, and, and who knows if the cause and effect is how I equate my mind, but it's the only thing that I can, I can put my finger on because I, I tried lots of different things up to that point. And it was really the medication that turned the switch on the anxious mind. That in combination with over periods of time, learning skills to, to abate rather than um, uh, feed into uh, the feelings when you have a bad day, you start feeling the dark clouds. Uh, you you um, you start feeling that to start to snowball. I think depressed people, in in many respects, that's a familiar state of being. And even though they hate being in it, they also want to stay in it. Yeah. Um. And 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 that you know that uh, tendency to to succumb to it. What I tell my kids is, and I believe this to be true, having experienced it over and over again, that your mindset what the depressed or anxious mind is or your mindset free of mental illness is everything. And it can change from hour to hour and certainly day to day, and if not day to day, week to week. And so this notion that I'm going to be depressed indefinitely for the rest of my life or even for the next week or even tomorrow, give it a chance to give yourself the room to get a good rest and try another day. And I tell my kids, you know, you may not get through it, but keep your feet moving and put one foot in front of the other and it's a it's a difficult balance to know when you need to give yourself the room and license to recuperate and be be sick for a period of time versus fighting through it to the point where if you can distract yourself a lot of times you can truncate the feeling at the start of the day or whatever part of the day that i can't see how i'm going to get through this next hour versus the entire day but I put my feet forward and I get in front of the computer and some client calls me and now my mind has to focus on answering that question. It takes me out of my head. I still feel exhausted at the end of the day. I still feel down. But I got through that day. Uh, yeah. and, and and I really believe that, uh, you know, the, the odd thing about the mindset is when you're in the throes of depression, the reason people off themselves is they can't see any scenario where it's going to lift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, then you come out of it. And that same depressed person that has lived it looks back at that existence and say, I don't, I, I am never going to feel that way again, and I don't know how that happened in the first place. And so it's this all or nothing type of, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I'm never going to find my way out of it, and I'm never going to fall into it again. That is a recurring cycle. Um, but it's if you, if you feed into that and don't challenge it on a frequent basis and give your chance to have. A completely different experience even the very next day that to me is the skill set over time that you learn to become better at and with a combination of you know uh, pharmaceuticals and medications and different types of therapies exercise a lot of things that um, allow you to your body and your mind to to get out of that mode um you then start to string together uh Uh, lower peaks and valleys and less frequency and you become more and more free over time of that becoming a impairment on your level of contentment that's what i just love that what i counsel my kids on and and again what i'm trying to do is like i suffered for you know 20 20 you know two or three decades all told i'm -hmm. in a different place over the last five years and i feel like i'm on a trajectory to to end my life however long it goes saying i enjoyed that experience, you know, I'm Amen. content, and 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 that's, you know, wanting to live for as long as you can because every day is a new new opportunity to have a good experience, to, you know, cry if you have to cry, to uh, have all the emotions, to have disappointments and successes, and love uh, and and acceptance uh, with your family and friends and people that you associate with. That's what life is all about. It's not getting to a destination of, hey, I've made it, mm. now I'm happy. It's enjoying the challenge of every day and saying, look, on a scale of one to 10 of contentment, I spend my time at a nine or 10. And I, I love spend that. Uh, Yo, know, two I or three of my life at a three or a four.
0: Mark, did you lose opportunities in business? Did you think you were going to lose opportunities when you started to talk about it and show people or take time, take time out for work? I, I feared myself coming out of the bipolar closet. That it would hurt my career no one would want me in their company especially as an executive you're dealing at the highest level in the nation did you fear that what happened did did, did more opportunities open up did they close what happened
2: um i didn't have any reservations or fears about becoming uh transparent with my experience when i was asked by our chairman to share you know some stories um, once I made him aware you know on, on a friend to friend level of, of some of the challenges um, I think in part because I had already established myself uh, you know in my profession I already you know was viewed by uh, people that I cared about uh, and respected at, at a certain level that um, it was almost like I didn't have fear of repercussions or or losing opportunities or you know you never want to be the guy that, craters when you're most needed so to okay. me rather than come you know coming out so to speak and sharing my experience the more excruciating decision points in my life were the two times that i had to call time out yeah those were painful decisions to you know figure out you know am i do i really need to am i okay am i that sick um i i don't want to you know what does it mean in terms of my my progress am i going to make partner in this profession um you know, those types of decisions were much more um, painstaking for me than any fear of repercussions mm-hmm. on. And in fact, um, I've got nothing but, uh, you know, in the aftermath of that, in the short aftermath, um, uh, appreciation for, for sharing that. There's a lot of silent sufferers. This is, um, you know, pervasive. And as we get into social media and you hear about the times of today, it's even more so. It seems like Every person, almost you know, some high high percentage is dealing with some level of mindset problems, if not mental illness, mm-hmm. that is affecting their life and their and their ability to to improve and perform at their at their best.
0: Yeah, I love that, and um, thank you for being patient as we learn how to podcast. Um, I know you have some suggestions for me, and uh, others do too. And we're learning. I all I the purpose of this podcast is to ignite. Conversation with people that have performed at the highest level and are open and sharing. There is a, you know, I I've, I worked in the um, COVID pandemic at a high level with testing, getting people around the world traveling and stuff, and and uh, it was an amazing part of my career. But um, COVID caused, uh, you know, in the workplace, it went from like forty or fifty percent that identified with anxiety up to seventy percent reported now and diagnosis have uh, almost doubled if you uh, look at the research um, and it's exactly what you're saying. Um, everybody is suffering. At, at some point has or is with anxiety, with depression, with other illnesses. Um, and that's the reason for this podcast. I, I was going to say what's next for Mark, but you've taught me something very valuable and reminded me of something. I don't really care what's next. Are you enjoying today? Are you here now mm-hmm. today? And, and that's, that's, I was going to say, what's, what's Mark's why? Why do you, you know, how do you define yourself? And what I've heard very clearly today is enjoy the journey and, and be here now. Um, I unfortunately had to push my uh, wife through the airport uh, in a chair over the weekend uh, due to her MS complications, and she was uh, tired. Uh, the, the Salt Lake Airport's terrible getting back and forth. Oh from uh from the entrance to your gate and and um i thought to myself i need to enjoy every second time is ticking life is Mm -hmm. ticking how dare i push all these high and mighty goals and delusions on myself and my family how can i be here now and that that you you know it's you've accomplished so much and and that the more than Chat GPT, GPT whatever it's called, um, you have wisdom and you have applied knowledge. You have research; right? you've distilled all this in so, so beautifully today. Um, is there anything you want to leave uh, with the audience? Uh, you know wh- beyond, enjoy the journey and and be content.
2: If you guys will indulge me, I'll share with you. Please. Um, oh yeah. I'll share with you um, uh, some thoughts that were. I put together in writing uh, in a couple of different contexts, but it it manifests in a counseling colleague that was was struggling with uh, depression that that came out of, you know my openness a few years ago within my firm. Um, and I'll just I'll just try to read it eloquently uh, here uh, and quickly. Uh,
3: no, it, take your time.
2: It, in my experience, finding and keeping balance and wellness is an evolving thing that is never quite fixed or cured even though we all search for that panacea, but requires attention and adjustment along the way. Although one does become more skilled over time at smoothing out the magnitude of the highs and lows. Giving priority to such balance and wellness is critical in my view, as mindset, or whatever you want to call being well, even in the face of inevitable challenges is everything. I'll share with you below my recent text to my siblings in response to my pops, sending to us Amanda Gorman's poetry reading at the Biden inauguration. So this is a couple years old, but uh, I don't know if you remember Amanda Gordon, uh, African-American young, mm. young woman who was very eloquent in her poetry. And I, I picked out, my dad sent that uh, to me and my siblings. He'll often read something and share it with our siblings and invite mm-hmm. kind of a reaction and a, and a text chain. I, I focused on a couple of portions of that poem. A nation that isn't broken, just unfinished. For there is always light if only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. Hmm. My reaction to those was, I've learned through my own experience and struggles that mindset is everything and dictates either for good or bad, one's perception of her own existence, her worth and potential, her relationship with, reactions to, and interpretations of myriad uncontrollable life-intercepting unknowns. And whether one is predominantly progressing with inspiration, passion, and zeal, or merely enduring, abiding, if not wasting time, stagnating, hardening, resigning, conceding, and dying. I've experienced extended phases of the latter in elusive episodes of the former, but know most assuredly that an indomitably persistent and patient pursuit of a contented and courageous rather than fearless mind, one that empowers and propels, leaving no breath for the self-saboteur, is worthy of prioritization if we are to maximize the joy that life can afford as well as the influence for good that still waits, no matter the stage or station of life at present, no matter the failures and foibles precedent. Although conceptually relevant to a nation or the world, the notion of not being broken but merely unfinished is a mindset that if adopted and believed first as individuals can powerfully emanate concentrically, to ever increasing spheres of influence and change. The truth that there always is and will be light can then be more more readily shine in plain view, undistorted from impaired perception and invoke the latent bravery resident in us all to both see it and be it for unimaginable individual and collective betterment. Mrs. Gorman's words resonated with me in these respects. I share that because that is a distillation of Mm mindset being the most important thing for all of us it affects everything and learning to have a mindset that is um, uh, uh, self-supporting rather than Mm self-debilitating and whether that's part of um, uh, controlling your mind with whatever ailments and challenges you face my advice to everyone is every individual on this planet owes it to themselves and is worthy to prioritize being well and if you're Mm -hmm. not well don't concede to being in that state of being because there is a solution. I guarantee to my siblings and I guarantee to my nieces and nephews that I talk through that are struggling, I guarantee to them that there is. this is not a state of being that is their destiny in life. They just have to believe it and fight through it and continue to challenge it until they are are if not completely free they are in a state of contentment most of the time i believe that uh, wholeheartedly based on my own experience and my my objective in being vocal on my experience it's just one person's experience like you I, i'm not a, a professional in any of this but i i do have some life experience yes my goal is to if if there's anybody that i can share it with to make their suffering shorter um mm-hmm. I'm more than willing. uh, And I was going to ask that,
0: I please, yeah, please go beyond helping your family and write the book. You you need to, you need you probably don't have time, but make time, please. Your mind and and uh, how articulate you are and and the research and the wisdom and everything you've gone through and the level you've gotten at, please write a book, write many books. You you guys can see why I was excited to have him on the on the podcast
3: oh yeah absolutely
0: so you should become you, an artist just quit being an attorney
3: come paint you'd love it well i tell people I, I, I say
2: i say dad you know like you went and like established this standard of higher education i wish i just wasn't educated and i could just be a mailman or a carpenter <laughs> you know it,
0: I, can you talk I, mailman, to- I
2: know i could finish my route every day <laughs> and, and i just can't find mm-hmm. that route that uh you know pays
0: you so. should, you you should see, you should see the, <laughs> you should see the, what's um, if you look up jobs for bipolar people, it's, it's the opposite of what I've chose to do as well. Um, it's pretty funny. Talk a little bit before we end, talk about your, your family and all the education and just, it's amazing. It is amazing. The level of education everybody's gotten, they're going to have to be patient as I stumbled through this whole thing with, with you. And um but talk about that a little bit, because it's, well, it's really I do amazing. That,
2: I would say that, as, as Save mentioned, uh, the Anderson family, we lived in a townhouse complex on the same cul-de-sac. Uh, myself and my older brother were you know six or seven years older than, than Save, only three or four years older than um, his older brother, Justin. Uh, I have a sister who is Justin's age. I've got a brother, a younger brother, who is uh, Save's age, and they went mm-hmm. through high school together. Uh, I couldn't say uh, what... Uh, nice people, uh, Darcy, his dad, and uh, Julie, his mom, were, and and the relationship that we had as families growing up with, um, you know, the nexus to to the kids. Um, when I when I heard of your mom's passing a handful of years ago, it was it was shocking. Uh, yeah. It was it was a sadness that. Uh, and a loss that, uh, you know, we probably didn't express adequately to you, but oh, you it, did. You it did. was a loss of, yeah. of, of quite a fantastic woman.
0: Thank you. Um, what was the original? Oh, um, oh talk oh, about the, so
2: that level of education. And, and um, you know, props saved to you and your family and, and yep. where you come from and the, and the challenges that you've overcome. Yep. Um, my dad loves to loves to brag on his kids. And he set a standard where you know he he'll he either my brothers and I will be on a golf course with him and he'll he'll uh, uh, tell us uh, you know what our credentials are or we'll get together with my sister and and to a person uh, I went to uh, to Stanford Law and Business School my my brother got a master's from Harvard uh, my sister got a PhD from University of Chicago my younger brother got an MBA from Columbia. Um, uh, so you, you, you go around the horn, and, and he loves, uh, he loves to, uh, to brag on the fact that, uh, you know, he's got um, a group of kids that, um, that has followed his lead and, and uh, you know, achieved. Um, I don't, you know, I, 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 I'm just a, you know, I'm just a white collar guy in a, a blue collar or mm-hmm. a blue collar guy in a white collar job in the world.
0: Um, you know, I, 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 don't I, I like the, I'm going to, I'm going to call BS know. on that. <laughs> I, I, am only saying that because you asked me the question and because I, my says, I don't they, want to brag on
2: myself or brag on anybody.
0: I'll bra- I, that's all I'm doing is bragging on you guys. It's, I, I'm so excited uh, to put this out and get this released. Please write your book, please share more. Um, the way you can distill uh, and, and speak about it. it's truly inspiring and amazing. And again, it's the reason for this podcast. I, I told everybody, we got to show up on time. We got to be prepared for this one. And so we were, and we've I think we've delivered. So thank you again. Is there anything you want to leave with the audience?
2: No, just thank you. And, and for those that are suffering from any of this, uh, you know, get help and overcome it. Uh, it's possible. Believe that the next day can be completely different from what you're feeling today, and give your chance, give yourself a chance, day after day, to, to be better um, each day. Uh, great to meet uh, Clarissa, you and Nash and Save. Thanks for the invite, and yep. Yep. Uh, would love to to continue the dialogue and the relationship as you guys continue to do your thing.
0: Absolutely.
3: Okay. Oh,
0: thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you, listeners. Till next time. Yes, I'm not